Blog Talk Radio. And now, Geico Saving Stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until... Savings were everywhere. My pockets, uh, wallet, bank accounts. It was like the savings were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes and 15% or more in savings could be following you. K-I-R-P Radio!
what had changed between then and now. The deal was very interesting that he had cut because the deal that his people had cut with the federal government to avoid of the prosecution. He should have gotten what he pleaded down to, I believe, was one or two counts. I think one was soliciting prostitution with with uh, an underage girl. I think that was it. There was one or two. But uh, again, anyone else under normal circumstances being charged with, I'd say, conservatively half the crimes he was would still be in jail. So a real question we'll explore tonight in part is Again, why why now? You know, why did it happen as it did? Epstein walked away, and we'll talk about that too. So how was it that he gets off the plane in Teterboro a couple of months ago? Teterboro, New Jersey, gets off his private plane, and he immediately gets arrested. And uh, it's, uh, again, there's, there's, so many, there's so many facets. Thing, uh, one thing we'll look at is uh, who who is Epstein? Uh, who who? Suicide. First off, we'll look at it. The explanation for what happened in prison is complete. Uh, and yeah, there's there's more than one reason to believe that. How did Epstein get his money? When they supposedly got, you know, when they got their warrants and they went to his home, they found documents. Uh, and they said uh, Epstein was worth around $580 million. Before that, he was always spoken of as a billionaire. And I would suggest that the filings that they received, I'm not saying they weren't real, uh, but I'm saying they're not complete. I don't believe someone with that amount of money, particularly someone who was uh, as connected and criminal as Epstein, would be so foolish to have all of his finance, finances in one statement, some in one place at one. Islands, nicknamed uh, Pedo Island, with his plane nicknamed the Lolita Express, apart from owning at least one island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Documents saying 580 million. I'd say it was probably just you know guessing there off the top of my head. I'd say he was worth twice that. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. But even if you go with what was reported of 580 million, the question is very valid. How did he get? How did an individual get that amount of money? Where 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 did where where did Epstein get that amount of money in his life? The story goes like this, and it is really shrouded in secrecy. Uh, he, had, he was a private tutor. He uh, he made some contacts with uh, one of the children he was tutoring uh, with a Wall Street investment firm. I believe it was Bear Stearns. Worked his way up in his 20s. 
and then left. Now, it's some at some of the at some of the investment banks, you can make a lot of money. Ron LeBull Emanuel, uh, who was probably calling the shots uh, as uh, Barack Hussein Obama, aka Barry Shatoro's first chief of staff, he worked for Goldman Sachs. And yeah, there's criminals, Democratic criminals that work for Goldman Sachs, Republican criminals that work for Goldman Sachs. If you haven't gotten the memo, at the highest level, with the finan- with the, uh, the financial interests that control both political parties in the U.S. of A. Uh, they're very much bipartisan. Bipartisan. But Ronald Bull Emanuel, when he was with Goldman Sachs, was making over $20 million a year, I had read. So that is a lot of money. <laughs> so Epstein could have worked his way up the ranks, you know, in, you know, in a short period of time. But he was, uh, he was in his 20s. He had broken with Bear Stearns early on. And then from that point on, it gets black. We go black on that as far as we get his money. Epstein had presented himself as a a super sophisticated financial genius and he'd say he'd only manage funds uh, he'd only manage funds for someone who had at least a billion dollars that he'd turn people down. We only know of one client of his though. So now you could argue managing their funds. You can make that argument, but word still gets out when you have that amount of money that you move around or have access to. There's only so many people at that level in you know in the financial community that you know, move lots of money. Yeah, it's not everyone. It's just, it's a small it's a small group of any of no one knew any of Jerry Epstein's clients. So it isn't like these people all of a sudden, someone has a billion dollars, they hand it over to Epstein. If that was true, guess what? There would be people that had handled that billionaire's money before they went to Jeffrey Epstein. So at least there would definitely be a limited paper trail to say, okay, X number had had X amount of money, and then at one point, then they decided, decided uh, Jeffrey Epstein was a genius, and you know they let him manage all their funds. But they really we know we only know one person who's secret. That's it. That that is it. So. That that is a very interesting question, really, that no one has ever been able to answer. All evidence indicates Epstein was a high-level asset of Mossad and/or the CIA and/or MI6. Why do I say that? We'll get into that when Jeffrey when Acosta cut the deal. Trump's former labor secretary, who then resigned under duress, he was the scummy, scummy, scummy federal. Was uh, it was this this kid come out recently in the last uh, two months or so, and he said he was told he was told that Epstein was above his pay grade off because he was an intelligence asset. He was an intelligence asset. Now, we look at people around Epstein, it becomes pretty apparent that more than one 
there's, there's more than one trail here as far as people connected to Epstein directly. Uh, but Mossad is prominent, and to me, even though Israel spies on the U.S., or the United States spies on Israel, there's obviously everyone in the IA isn't corrupt. Okay, everyone in the FBI isn't corrupt. Everyone in Mossad isn't corrupt. But there's different layers to those organizations. At the highest level, <clears throat> criminal elements then that are really running the show, sad to say, uh, it makes perfect sense. In other words, the CIA knew, theoretically, the CIA knew that Jeffrey Epstein was an asset of Mossad. And he was doing, he was not just a super wealthy pedophile. He was procuring girls for people like Bill Clinton. We have flight records, handwritten flight records, at least one free Epstein's uh, pilots. We don't have all of them. <laughs> Again, in these records, <clears throat> when I talked about the alternative media, you know, uh, basically you know, banging the drums in this story for years, for years. We have these records for years. It's been out that Bill Clinton took at least 26 flights on the Lolita Express. Now, we talked about the Lolita Express when Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein's planes. The deal was if you're going to take men into, into the air, okay, then you get to that quasi view of the, the, the quasi legal uh, jurisdiction of when you're in the air, what's going on? I mean, if you're jurisdiction, or you wonder if you're going to have sex in the air with children. Not to mention POI, but we know Bill Clinton took at least 26 flights. Donald Trump took at least one. I read one source, there's more of that. That's at least one. So, and there's a very, very creepy quote by Trump, and this tries to get framed by the mainstream media. As oh yeah well then you know, Trump said you know no one knew about Epstein Trump said well yeah there's something the fact Trump said something I'm paraphrasing it Je- Jeffrey's a really really interesting neat guy and uh, he's he's he like he's a woman's man too though he likes him on the younger side that's Donald Trump saying that yeah that same guy who's in the White House same guy that in the White House uh, we're talking Prince Andrew Prince Andrew we know was on flights on Lolita Express and if you see where I'm going with this, is that number one, Jeffrey Epstein logically was not a very well isolated uh, child molester. Impossible. First off, it took way too many people to pr- procure the girls, to get the girls, and there's testimony by numerous people. Not everyone has spoken. A lot of girls have people in a, people in the NASA. People who were victimized by Epstein, some of them were victimized and then got recruited to work for him, which was horrible. Of course, they were still culpable, but of course, not as culpable as him. Numerous stories of girls then molested, others molested, then recruited to get other girls in to molest. This was not an isolated actor. This wasn't yeah, a so-called lone gunman. No, no, no. Again, going back to Bill Clinton's 26 flights, Donald at least one. Prince Andrew, and at least one of his sworn sworn testimony, Prince Andrew raped her. There's no way Epstein was doing this alone, okay? There's no way. And that's that's one of the things that's the most disturbing about the story is that, and we'll get into this, there's absolutely no evidence that anyone in the federal government is seriously going after the collaborators, and they know who a lot of the people are. They don't know all of them but they definitely know some of them. 
and there's no indication that they're moving after any of those people, which then begs the question I already posed already. Should I pose these questions? I guess I'm going to have to answer them eventually tonight. Then why did the story break its dip? In other words, why did the feds go at, decide to go after Epstein in this particular time, in this particular place? particularly after he had walked, he was that protected years ago. And incidentally, Acosta changed his, he changed his tune about saying that Epstein was an intelligence asset. I don't know if he technically said he didn't say it or he was misquoted or he just uh, basically lied and said, oh, I didn't say that. So, but uh, all, uh, all indications are this is, uh, this is who Jeffrey Epstein was or maybe still is. Uh, Consider Giselle uh, Maxwell, okay? Giselle Maxwell, uh, British social, socialite. Her father was Reuven Mossad. He, he was blackmailed for his sexual, you know, sexual deviancy, and uh, he evidently blackmailed others. His daughter, um, in all probability. <laughs> was in on this, and certainly we know she's been implicated. A number of people have talked about how closely she was affiliated with Epstein for a period of time and how she was involved in procuring girls for him and training them. Uh, consider her. I mean, she read, I read one account that said she had not been seen in three years, and then uh, we'll, talk about, uh, we'll talk about a couple of piece by the New York Post when uh, they found out supposedly she was living, uh, she was living in New York with uh, with a boyfriend or New England. I'm sorry, New England. I believe Massachusetts with her boyfriend. They tracked the guy down. They found him, and he says, uh, "Leave me alone. I don't know where she is." And then a photo popped up of her at In-N-Out Burger. I kid you not, in L.A. in Los Angeles, and that was photoshopped. That was fake. We'll, we'll get into that too. Uh, Epstein didn't take his own life. Uh, there's no way he took his own life. I read one account that said in the in the in the, the secure prison he was he was held in, there had not been a successful suicide in over 40 years. I read another account over 20 years. In his particular case, not only had he been on suicide watch, but they said the sheets inmates who were there said the sheets were so thin they were like paper. It was impossible. Plus, there was nowhere to hang them. So. This story that they've concocted is so blatantly ridiculous and false, not to mention they say there weren't cameras in the cells. Okay, there were cameras outside the cells. Two just happened to malfunction. And, yeah, all the guards that were supposed to check on them, they just happened to be sleeping that night. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I could be wrong here. For what I see, no one's yet to produce an actual photo of the real cell showing how he died. It's really interesting. A guy around six foot tall, I believe, 200 pounds. Uh, what did he hang? What did he hang the supposed sheets on that he was able to do it? Again, at least one person came out who was in the prison and said, oh, it was a complete crock, completely a lie. There's no way he could have done it. Uh, and then it took a while for uh, took a while for the good old non-corrupt New York City coroner's department to say, oh yeah, yeah, it was a uh, it was a suicide, even though the marks on the neck more closely follow strangulation. But it, was a, it was a suicide. It was a suicide. Uh, so we're going to look. Uh, we're going to look at uh, a lot of those those aspects of the story tonight. 
Again, if anyone does uh, does want to call, uh, I will get you on the air. That number is 619-638-8859, 619-638-8559. Talking about Jeffrey Epstein, uh, who he was, not just what he did, but the political implication. Again, the big picture is why was he charged recently? And what uh, what does that say? What does it say about the entire political system when there's so much evidence that others are around him and nothing would happen with those people? What does that say? What does that say about the system? Kurt Nemo was a former Alex Jones alum. Uh, he was an activist uh, long before Alex Jones had hired him well over 10 years ago. And Kurt Nemo had a blog then called Another Day in the Empire, and then he parted ways with Alex Jones. He was one of a number of people that worked for Alex Jones, and they weren't going to become uh, cheerleaders or prostitutes for Donald J. Trump as Alex Jones degenerated uh, to become a caricature of himself. I don't know if that's he needed because he needed money. When he went through a divorce, they did a lot about two his literature years. I don't know why. But Alex Jones became a caricature of himself. Exposed the two-party system for years, exposed the left-right paradigm, and then jumped right back into it and uh, gained, new, gained new listeners, a lot of new ones. And then a lot of his old listeners, uh, pretty much, uh, they're drinking the Alex Jones Kool-Aid. In any case, uh, Kurt Nimmo parted ways, and uh, he's, done, uh, he's done some really good work. On the Sepstein story, you can disagree with some of his analysis, but... Uh, the uh, the observations are good. This is from a piece Nimmo wrote when uh, when Epstein was still alive, July 11th. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein, sex blackmailer from the Mossad and CIA. <coughs> the corporate media will bury the Acosta accusation that Jeffrey Epstein worked for shadowing intelligence groups. Vicky Ward's July 9th Daily Beast story in Epstein contains information the media and its establishment controllers will at all costs have you forget. Alexander Acosta, the former U.S. attorney in Miami, that cut the original super lenient Epstein prosecution deal in 2007 and is now Trump's labor secretary. This was written before he resigned under duress. Was told at the time to back off on serving justice in the case of a wealthy and well-connected serial pedophile. Acosta admitted this when he was coached by the Trump transition team ahead of a confirmation hearing. Ward from the Delhi Beast writes, is the Epstein case going to cause a problem for confirmation hearings? Acosta had been asked. Acosta had explained breezily, apparently, that back in the day he just had one meeting on the Epstein case. That alone is mind-blowing, one meeting. He'd cut the non-prosecution deal with one of Epstein's attorneys because he had been told to back off that Epstein was above his pay grade. I'll, quote, I was told Epstein belonged to intelligence and to leave it alone. He told his interviews in the Trump, in the Trump transition who evidently thought that was a sufficient answer and went ahead and hired Acosta. The Labor Department had no comment when asked about this. And this is back in you know, Nemo's words. <clears throat> I don't intend to go into excessive detail on Epstein's past and his associations. However, one purported mega billionaire client of Epstein's supposed money management service is at the center to the Epstein story. Retail clothing tycoon Leslie Wexner, as I said before, is the only one we know. Only one on record was the his money. Independent journalist Hokeem Hagopian has done detailed research into Wexner and his bizarre relationship with Epstein. 
The story includes a close relationship with British socialite and the youngest child of the late publisher Robert Maxwell. According to authors Gordon Thomas and Martin Dillon, who wrote the book Robert Maxwell, Israel's Super Spy, and that was published back in 2002, Maxwell worked as a double agent for Israeli Mossad in Britain's MI6. According to Agopian's research, Wexner, who's Jewish, as was Maxwell, shared a close relationship with the Mossad. This fact became apparent with the publication of Wexner analysis, Israeli Communication Priorities 2003. This document advised pro-Israel advocates to repeatedly invoke the name of Saddam Hussein during the neocon invasion of Iraq. The paper writes, Ali Abunama was commissioned by the Wexner Foundation, a private foundation that funds, among other pro-Israel initiatives, Birthright Israel, a program that pays for young American Jews to take free trips to Israel. The Israel Project is an initiative of pro-Israel organizations, political consultants, and business people.
this is just a rich guy uh, who himself is blackmailing people. Uh, no, no, no. If you were a lone actor and you had the hubris or the arrogance to attempt to blackmail Bill Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton and his associates would have a way to deal with you. <laughs> we could talk, and we're not going to go go down that rabbit hole tonight, but we could talk about the, the Clinton body count, how many people in in Arkansas in particular when Clinton was governor, and then when he went to the White House outside Arkansas, people related to him just ended up dead in very unusual circumstances. So it's preposterous. Uh, it's it's beyond asinine to think that you have this guy Epstein, and he could on his own blackmail Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew, uh, Donald Trump, and others as a lone actor and get away with it. No, he would have been cadaverous. He would have been killed years and years and years ago. However, and this is this is this is this is the political reality. However, if he was, in all probability, everything points towards it. He was a high-level asset of Mossad elements, the Mossad elements, the CIA, and or elements, MI6. Absolutely, then he was protected because he was serving their purposes. Once again, it wasn't just that he was he was a child molester himself. He was getting other people involved so they could be blackmailed. It happens. Uh, I wonder how many people right now. Washington D.C. You're talking about so-called elected officials, elected or selected officials, in uh, in Congress, in the House, in the U.S. Senate. I wonder how many people right now have been blackmailed. Now, I'm not saying now would be a different question. How many now are doing things that if they were exposed would destroy them, their careers? We're saying how many people, just based upon things they've done in the past, how much video is there? A guy like Ted Cruz, what's out there? Uh, how many recordings? Think about the NSA. Apart from Jeffrey Epstein, think about the NSA being able to record every conversation on any any phone, landline, or cell, any electronic communication. How much do they have on the people? In, how much do they have on the people in DC? So, even someone as pedestrian as Ann Coulter called this as a blackmail scheme. Again. It's uh, it's preposterous to think that Jeffrey Epstein could have, could have operated alone uh, with the magnitude of the people he was involved with. Not to mention uh, the $570 million that we know of that could have been a lot more stashed offshore and or in other countries. Not to mention the mere $570 million, a guy that, again, had residences in the state, multi-million dollar mansion in New York, had, had that residence in uh, residence in France, at least one island. Uh, where, where'd you get that money? And again, how many people had to be involved that could have helped him? So, uh, it's uh, it's nine thirty-six. Uh, I forgot to, to, to uh, play this uh, play this video. This was a uh, part. Of Supposed to be part of the introduction. Do you want to know what it is? The matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. 
You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your tax. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Matrix 1999, Neo, of course, took the red pill because he wanted to know the truth. And if you haven't seen that movie, I uh, I really don't watch too many movies, but uh, there's a lot that's being said in that movie. It's a really uh, an illustration or a parable of uh, reality about what thing, the way things are. You listen to the KRP radio show, Keeping It Real with Padre Miller, last Friday of the month, with your guest host, Rocco P. Going to take a break. We're going to come back, and I'm going to discuss the uh, some of the people around Epstein and why nothing has been done, and in all probability, nothing will be done. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of the connections that Epstein, uh, Epstein had, uh, which is talked a little bit about him. But Maxwell is uh, Maxwell is probably the most that one's the most plain. But there's others, there's others. Uh, KRP Radio Show, keeping it real, Pudgy Miller. KRP Radio. That's bad when I don't have. I don't have that music set up for the for uh, for the break. It's not good.
K-I-R-P Radio! Michael Krieger, head worked in the financial industry. Uh, he started to see what was about. He became an activist, and we saw the corruption. His site is Liberty, Blitzkrieg, Liberty, Blitzkrieg. I would say I don't always agree with all of his analysis, but he does he does good work. And uh, he's now ad-free. He has a conscience. He refuses to uh, be uh, to cooperate with Google, which is obviously part of the uh, federal government intelligence complex, uh, as is Facebook, uh, as is Twitter, as is Instagram. He wrote this piece back on uh, July 8th. The Jeffrey Epstein rabbit hole goes a lot deeper than you think. Against uh, Michael Krieger, Liberty Blitzkrieg. Like many of you, I've been following the Jerry, the Jeffrey Epstein story with hard disgust and open eyes for several years. Again, only the alternative new media was pushing this since 2007. While it's always been a, cre- a creepy, twisted, and completely bizarre saga, I was unaware of just how inexplicable and strange it is until I did some more digging earlier today. I put a bunch of information together in a Twitter thread, and rather than reinvent the wheel, here it is. Okay. The more I learn about Jeffrey Epstein and this Peter ring, the more bizarrely exciting cover. I'm going to review three of them here. Alexandra Tosin, the man who arranged for Epstein to get off the hook in Florida, is now Trump's labor secretary. And uh, that that with Acosta is really is really bizarre to comment on that. Uh, Acosta gave a detailed interview where he defended that deal, uh, and then you had you had Alan Dershowitz, uh, uh, neoliberal scum at a Harvard uh, alleged constitutional expert. He had, he was also an associate of Epstein and he denied all wrongdoings. One of the one of the one of the creepiest things Dershowitz said in trying to defend himself is he said he did get a massage in Epstein's New York residence, but it was by a very old woman. So that begs the question, you know, why why would you go to anyone's home, particularly Epstein, when he wasn't running you know, a reputable massage service of any type, why would you just be in Epstein's house and get massages anyhow? But in any case, uh, Dershowitz defended that deal too, but Acosta gave a bizarre interview, I'm won plenty of it tonight, I don't want to induce vomit, where he defended that, and then after that he resigned. Uh, I mean, uh, Alice Acosta then resigned after as Trump's labor secretary. But it shows you how, how really... Uh, how despicable and wicked and disgusting Trump is, that among the other, you talk about swamp creatures, among the, the other scum that he surrounds him and has and has for day one in his administration, Acosta was there. Second point by Krieger, the man who hired Epstein when he was 20 years old to be a math teacher at New York City elite private school, Dalton, was Donald Barr, the father of William Barr, the current Attorney General of the United States. And incidentally, William Barr recused himself from directly dealing with the Epstein, uh, the Epstein issue. I wonder why. I wonder why that was. Uh-huh. Finally, and this is the one I mentioned too. This this is a, a giant rabbit hole related to Ghislaine Maxwell, the Brit, the British woman accused of being Epstein's madam. Her father was Robert Maxwell. Go ahead and do some digging to this guy. Uh, on November 5th, this is how Maxwell, Robert Maxwell died. November 5th, 1991, Maxwell was last in contact with the crew of his yacht, which he happened to call the Lady Gislaine, at 4.25 a.m. local time, but was found to be missing later in the morning. 
Maxwell was presumed to have fallen overboard from the vessel, which was cruising off the Canary Islands, and his naked body was subsequently recovered from the Atlantic Ocean. The official ruling at an inquest held in December 1991 was death by heart attack combined with accidental drowning. I mean, a lot of people you know, just happen to be you know, naked on the deck of a ship and have a heart attack. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've read about you know, naked guys just being on the decks of a ship and just dropped out of a heart attack. So there's nothing mysterious about that. Going back to Krieger, also before his death, Robert Maxwell was under investigation for war crimes. He quotes the Guardian piece then. Finally, Robert Maxwell was accused of having links to Israeli spy agency Mossad by Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Seymour Hersh. It wasn't just Hersh. It's already quoted some other research. There's a lot going on here. I hope people are watching Epstein and Maxwell closely prevent any further suicides. And, of course, he had suicides in in, uh, in quotation marks. Mr. Hirsch's book said, uh, which book was that by Hirsch? Let's see. The Samson Option, okay, about Israel's nuclear weapons program. Mr. Hirsch's book said Mr. Maxwell had ties with Mossad, the Israeli intelligence service, and that Nicholas Davies, foreign editor of the Delhi Mirror, the flagship of Mr. Maxwell's newspaper empire. Now, isn't that interesting, too, how we have a media mogul who was a high-level Mossad asset. Now, do you think the mass media in the United States isn't controlled? <laughs> you got to take the red pill. I'm telling you, it's all it's all a show. Uh, Nicholas Davies, former foreign editor of the Daily Mirror, the flagship of Mr. Maxwell's news, newspaper empire, had helped arrange the sale of Israeli arms to Iran, as well as help Israeli agents kidnap. And I, an Israeli nuclear technician. Seems like the whole Epstein thing, Krieger, seems like the whole Epstein thing was an elaborate professional blackmail operation intended to ensnare, intended to ensnare the rich and powerful. But who was really behind it and was really bankrolling Epstein? We really need to get the bottom of this, and then the dominoes really fall. Seems obvious Epstein was intentionally trying to get as many wealthy and powerful people as possible ensnared in his sick web. This wasn't just about his sick desires, but about getting blackmail on global big hitters. It's imperative we find out why. There's a reason. The thing looks as if it was run like professional operation or business, like a hunch, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was a front person. I keep hearing the same thing from people. Everything about Epstein is bizarre. There was one guy. I've never met who commented on Twitter. I have never met nor do I know anyone who works for his hedge fund. I've been on the street, Wall Street, since 1990. I think it's a fake firm and his cover story. This is likely an elaborate blackmail scheme funded by someone. Then Krieger comments, Epstein had caught, quote, uh, Epstein had caught, uh, Krieger quote, runs a quote here on Twitter. Epstein had caught the attention of the press when he had flown Bill Clinton on his jet to Africa. No one knew who he was, or understood how he made his money. Nope, not strange at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, that goes back to Vanity Fair. Once, uh, and this is Daily Beast piece, one, one was the hidden source of his wealth. He claimed he'd fueled 
a lifestyle of vast homes, a private jet, and endless travel by managing the money of billionaires, taking a commission, a story that no one I spoke to believed as Daily Beast piece. Epstein's friends speculated that retailer Les Wexner was a real source of Epstein's wealth. Wexner, who called him my friend Jerry, never commented on this. I opened the first box, and there was Epstein's deposition in a civil case, explaining in his own testimony that he had indeed been guilty of a rigged violation while at Bear Stearns, and that he'd been asked to leave the investment firm. Luck did, did shine upon me that day. I opened the first box, and there was Epstein's deposition in a civil case, explaining in his own testimony that he, that he indeed been uh, guilty of a reg, reg D, regulation D, and then he'd been asked to leave the investment. My piece would certainly show that he was definitely not what he claimed to be. Now think about that too. Let's say, yeah, just give out a round figure. Let's say he did somehow. He was a superstar at Bear Stearns. Let's say he made a hundred million. So he walks out the door. He has a hundred million dollars, but he gets canned due to this regulation D violation. Uh, how many people that have a billion dollars would then trust a guy? that just got fired by Bear Stearns, there'd be kind of an integrity type thing that why would I trust someone who got fired from Bear Stearns for a regulation violation to manage my money? See, the whole the whole thing with Epstein, it never made sense. It never made sense. Here we go. Alan Dershowitz. How did Alan Dershowitz, uh, yeah, neoliberal, neoliberal Harvard, pseudo-constitutional scholar. How did he come to know Jeffrey Epstein? His social profile began to improve in 1996, this is Dershowitz, upon meeting the financier Jerry Jeffrey Epstein through Lynn Forrester, the, Rocks, the Rothschild, a Martha's Vineyard friend. Dershowitz, despite, has never been a glamorous figure. At the height of his fame, he looked most comfortable, not at the side of his celebrity clients, but in his cramped Harvard office, wearing oversized aviator eyeglasses and itchy-looking sweaters. His social profile... ...through Horstead the Rothschild, Martha's in your trend. She told him Epstein was a brilliant autodidact, he taught himself, who loved meeting interesting people. Epstein visited Dershowitz in Cambridge, sent him a thank-you bottle of wine, and a week later called to invite him to the 59th birthday party of Victoria's Secrets founder, Leslie Wexner. Wexner comes up again. I said, who's going to be there, Dershowitz tells me. He said, Shimon Perez is going to be there, former Prime Minister of Israel, Senator John Glenn, the astronaut, Alfred Taubam, the head of Sotheby's. Dershowitz was in. It looks, this is uh, Krieger's, Krieger's. Commentary and it looks as if Jeffrey Epstein's real job was to obtain blackmail on some of the world's most wealthy and powerful players. And in this sense, he was a huge success. The much bigger question is whether he was doing this primarily for himself or if he was a front man for other players to whom such information would be priceless. The reason I put this together is to expose as many people as possible to this bizarre information. I help journalists and criminal investigators dig deep into all this stuff and more in order to truly get to the bottom of who Jerry Epstein is where his money came from, and who, if anyone, he answers to. 
there may be a lot more here than meets the eye. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, there was and is. I mentioned before about how uh, government works in terms of, I said, I said something uh, about D.C., and I talked about people being blackmailed, that uh, people may not be blackmailed now, but people in, uh, in the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate have been blackmailed. We don't know. I pose the question. I don't know, but uh, it has happened. You know why? Why would I make? Why would I make an assertion like that? You know why? Why would I say that? Uh, the simple answer is that uh, it is. Uh, it's true. Do you remember former Speaker of the House? It was uh, an alleged conservative Republican, someone who also uh, professed to be an evangelical Christian. One of my people, Dennis Hastert. Do you remember him? Remember Dennis Hastert. Okay, Dennis Hastert was Speaker of the U.S. House. It was uh, pretty amazing. Uh, he, had, he had risen to power. But let me get get to the right part of this here. Dennis Hastert uh, admitted that uh, he was a child molester, of course, after he was out of office. And he did it conveniently after his statute of limitations had expired. But he did some. Uh, he did a very brief time in jail because he was caught for financial crimes for moving money around to pay people off uh, to, to pay for their silence. Now, what I would submit to you is that I'm going to give you some more information about Hastert. What I was what I would suggest is this: is that when a lot of people hear, hear that story, when you know, they, they basically they haven't taken the red pill, so to speak. They believe the system we live in. They believe we do live in a uh, in a constitutional republic. When we live in the shadow, we live in really the uh, the rudiments of what once was a constitutional republic. They believe the system is inherently corrupt when the two parties have the same agenda controlled by the same financial interest. So when they hear that about Hastert, Democrats as well as Republicans say, so how is it that the Speaker of the House, you know, could have done, you know, could have done that at one point in his life. And I, and I would say this: uh, the very reason he became Speaker of the House is because he was a homosexual child molester. In other words, he was blackmailed, and that's why he rose so quickly in his career in the House. That is how he became Speaker of the House. That 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 is the real. That's the real story. Uh, from 19, this is from uh, from good old good old Wikipedia, so it's got to be true. Uh, from 1965 to 81, Dennis Hastert was a high school teacher and a coach at Yorkville High School in Yorkville, Illinois. He lost a 1980 bid for the Illinois House of Representatives, but ran again and won the seat in 81. He was first elected to the U.S. House of Representatives in 86, and was reelected every two years until he retired in 2007. Hastert rose to the Republican ranks in the House, becoming Chief, De Chief Deputy Whip in 1995 and Speaker in 1999. As Speaker of the House, Hastert supported the George W. Bush administration's foreign and domestic policies. After Democrats took control of the House in 2007 following the 2006 election, Hastert chose not to seek the position of minority leader, resigned his South seat, and became a lobbyist at the firm of Dick Steen Shapiro. Hastert briefly attended North Central College, but later transferred to Wheaton College, a Christian, I'd add, evangelical liberal arts college in Wayne, Illinois. Jim Parnley 
Hastert's roommate at North Central who transferred with him to Wheaton was a Marine Corps Reserve member who in 1965 became the school's first student to be killed in Vietnam. Hastert continued to visit Parnalee's family each year in Michigan. Because of a wrestling injury, Hastert never served in the military. In 1964, Hastert graduated from Wheaton with a BA in economics. In 1967, he received his MS in philosophy of education from Northern Illinois University. In his first year of graduate school, Hastert spent three months in Japan as part of the People to People Student Ambassador Program. One of Hastert's fellow group members, and again, this is Wikipedia we're about to read. One of Hastert's fellow group members was Tony Podesta, then the president of the Young Democrats at the University of Illinois at Chicago Circle. Hastert has been married to Jean Hastert since 1973. They have two children, Ethan and Joshua. Hastert's older son, Joshua, was a lobbyist for the firm Podesta Mattoon, representing clients ranging from Amgen, a biotech company, to Lockheed Martin, a defense contractor. This provoked criticism from Congress Watch. There definitely should be restrictions on family members registering as lobbyists. This is family members cashing in on connections. It is an ideal opportunity for special interest groups to exploit family relationships for personal gain. Joshua has to respond to the allegation by saying he did not lobby House Republican leaders. <laughs> so, yes, I'm a, I'm a high-paid lobbyist for a well-connected uh, Democrat firm, Podesta Mattoon, but I promise because my father is Speaker of the House, I I will not toss any Republican members of Congress. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. Uh, this is this is from a piece. Uh, uh, this is from a piece from the good old New York Times, New York Times. Dennis, Dennis Hastert, ex-House Speaker, admits sex abuse leaves prison. Former House Speaker Dennis Hastert left left federal court in Chicago after being sent to 15 months in prison in 2016. Dennis, J. Dennis Hastert, the former Speaker of the House of Representatives, was released from federal prison on Monday and moved to Chicago, to Chicago Halfway House, where he will serve the rest of his 15-month sentence for illegally structuring banquet girls he used to buy the silence of a former student he sexually abused. I didn't get, didn't get the uh, date on this uh, Times piece. <clears throat> Justin Long, spokesman from the Federal Bureau of Prison, said on Tuesday, Mr. Hastert left the Federal Medical Center in Rochester, Minnesota on Monday and was now in the jurisdiction of the Chicago Residential Reentry Management Office. <clears throat> that office provides inmates nearing their release dates, which serves as like employment counseling, job placement, tips on managing their finances. I mean, that's the level in the New York Times. They want to tell you that someone who's a multimillionaire like Hastert, I mean, it's really good to know that He's in a place where he can get employment counseling at the time, job placement, and tips on managing his finances. Uh, <clears throat> Hastert, 75, at the time of serving Republican House Speaker in history and once one of the country's most powerful politicians, pleaded guilty in 2015 to withdrawing 952000 from his accounts at four banks in at least 106 separate transactions. It was small enough to allow him to evade, to evade reporting requirements. Not that any of our money should be um, required to be reported, but it is. In the 215 plea agreement, they all the scumps plea. Miss, Mr. Haster said he gave the money to a person identified only as Individual A as part of a $3.5 million deal between them to compensate for and keep confidential his prior misconduct against Individual A. It's very interesting. The plea deal does not explicitly say Mr. Hastert sexually abused individual A, but as sentencing last year, the former House Speaker admitted for the first time that he sexually abused the teenage wrestlers he coached at Yorkville High School in Yorkville, Illinois. 
where he worked from 1965 to 81. Federal prosecutors have said that individual A is one of at least four boys, as young as 14, molested by Haster decades ago. Quote by Haster here, I want to apologize to the boys. I mistreated when I was their coach, Mr. Haster says at a sentencing in 2016. What I did was wrong, and I regret it. So, how does a guy like that get to become the Speaker of the House? Again, if you believe in the system, you think it's amazing. You just you 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 just perplexed. You don't know how that happened. And I'm telling you, uh, that's the only way you get you rise to the ranks is when you could be blackmailed because they could destroy you at any time. Think about someone like Bill O'Reilly. Okay, Bill O'Reilly, you know, fake conservative Fox News. Yeah, he uh. He was a TV personality before he got to Fox News. I think we, he was on hard copy. Here's a guy, again, who had a real problem uh, controlling himself, at least unlike Castor, he liked women, but you know, he was still immoral. The only way that O'Reilly rose to the ranks is because they knew they could destroy him at any time. And at one point, uh, it got to be too much, something happened, which uh, leads me back to, uh, to Jeffrey Epstein. Again, why do I think nothing is going to happen uh, as far as uh, the other people in spite of you know, the massive amount of evidence that, that is out there that, that, uh, that we know about people that have aided and abetted and assisted him? Why, why do I think any, nothing is going to happen? Uh, I will, uh, I'm going to read part of a piece. This was, uh, this was a USA Today piece published on August 23rd after Epstein was allegedly dead. The name of the piece was Jerry, Jeffrey Epstein is dead. Prosecutors could still go after him. In a, in a, in, okay, I want to read this right. Jeffrey Epstein is dead. Prosecutors could still go after his inner circle if they helped him prey on young girls. USA Today piece, August 23rd, 2019. Long headline. Even, even the headline is is preposterous and just completely ludicrous if they helped him. Again, how could you possibly build a federal case against Epstein and try and say he acted alone? This wasn't a guy in his basement on the internet who was saying, hey, hey girls, I, if, you, if you're looking for a modeling, if you're looking for a modeling career, I can pay you in cash. No, no, no. That, that, that isn't how he operated. He had people around him, again, procuring girls, training girls, Clearly tied, clearly tied to his residence, clearly tied to his plane, clearly tied to the island. It's so preposterous to think that if the federal case against Jeffrey Epstein was real, that he could have ever acted alone. So even even the article, you see how controlled and perverse and and uh, you know distorted the media is. Uh, prosecutors could still go after his inner circle if they helped him prey on young girls. Oh yeah, so. Everyone is in a circle. No one had any idea that he slept with, I don't know, hundreds of girls. No one had any idea when he was getting on his planes. What was he? They had no idea. They had no idea what was going on. They had none. They had absolutely none. Jeffrey Epstein's death, this is the, US, the USA Today piece, is, is in a jail suicide, spared the wealthy financier. And again, saying he's a financier is also... That's also an abstraction upon reality. It should be alleged financier. From the possibility of decades in prison on a federal indictment, they accused them of sexually trafficking girls as young as 14 in York and Florida from 2002 to 2005. 
but also the private federal prosecutors in New York and the woman who alleged that Epstein sexually abused or raped them of their chief target for criminal and similar lawsuits. Now the woman and possibly prosecutors are examining potential court actions against other legal targets. The financier's ex-girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell, and several of her former associates. At least six women who accused Epstein of sexual abuse have already filed lawsuits against his state associates. The multi-million dollar businessman, was he a businessman, alleged businessman, gained fame by moving in a social circle that included Prince, Prince Andrew, who was on Lolita Express, Bill Clinton, 26 times on Lolita Express, and a pre-presidency Donald Trump at least once on Lolita Express. Epstein also handled investments for L Brand retail giant, Titan, Leslie Wexner, and of course, USA Police mentions no one else because there's never been public record that he handled anyone else's record, and cultivated friendships with attorney Alan Judd Dershowitz, hedge fund founder Glenn Dubin, top scientist and others. The indictment ended up in New York City in July focused on a darker aspect of Epstein's life. It's alleged that the 66-year-old financier, or alleged financier, sexually exploited and abused dozens of minor girls at his mansions in Manhattan, Palm Beach, Florida, and other locations. And other locations. Epstein allegedly paid some of his victims to recruit other underage girls for him. I like that. They throw in allegedly once. Allegedly. I love it. I love that. Not that he was an alleged financier. Or that is that uh, if the idea, if they helped him prey on young girls, that yes, that he could have done what he did, anything with what he did alone, uh, insane. Here, here's the meat. Here's the meat of that USA piece. USA Today piece. Legal experts say it will likely be difficult for prosecutors and Epstein victims to win criminal cases and civil lawsuits against financiers' former associates. Alleged co-conspirators could argue that prosecutors are settling on scapegoats, said Lori Levinson, a formal federal prosecutor and professor at Loyola Jesuit Law School in Los Angeles. If if prosecutors shouldn't say, uh, shouldn't say Jesuit, say Catholic. If prosecutors have strong cases against the peripheral players, they would have charged them already. Levinson said, "Did he did he get that last? You get that last line." If, pro- said, if prosecutors have strong case against peripheral players, they would have charged them already, Levinson said. The reality is they do have strong cases, but they're not going to charge them. They're not going to charge them. To successfully indict Maxwell, for example, prosecutors must prove that she knew she was recruiting underage girls and that they would be abused, said Ren- Renato Mariotti, a former federal prosecutor in Illinois. And again, people there's, and other people have they, they could get other people to testify. Yeah, multiple girls have already said that. And again, names, dates, times, it's, uh, she's there. Additionally, victims, attorneys, and government lawyers could be hampered by an immunity provisions. That was great. In Epstein's non-prosecution agreement back in 2007, it said federal prosecutors would not institute criminal charges against any potential co-conspirators. Now, why would that be in there? If Epstein had acted alone, why would that even be in there back in 2007? Weird. Potential co-conspirators. Weird. In any case, specifically naming former Epstein associates in, in that in that deal: uh, Sarah Kellen, Adriana Ross, Leslie Groff, Nadia Mark, uh, Markenkova. But said the list was not limited to those individuals. Epstein's associates will argue that the provision will bar the prosecution. But they're unlikely to succeed, Mariotti predicted. Jack Scarlow, who represents the five Epstein accusers, and there's a lot more, said the provision should be nullified because it's part of the non-prosecution agreement that a judge ruled had violated the law. Many, and, and granted, if that violated the law too, why isn't Acosta being charged? I don't get to that. Why isn't he being charged? 
Many of the allegations against Maxwell and others in Epstein's inner circle were unearthed earlier this month after a federal appeals court in New York ordered the unsealing of nearly 2,000 pages of court records, including depositions, police affidavits, and motions of documents were introduced in court during a now settled lawsuit brought by one of Epstein's accusers. So, now you read that and uh, you think about how it's being depicted in you know, certain aspects of the media. How is it being depicted in certain aspects of the media? Okay, I already mentioned that the Attorney General Barr, very slimy guy. He had recused himself. Very, very slimy guy. This is a guy. Check out Ruby Ridge in the past. This is a guy who's for gun control. You know, one of the you know very among them. There's just so many scum. You know, because Trump is scum. They surround themselves with. But uh, Barr has tried. Sam trying to get the exact quote how he was going to go after people. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Attorney General Barr issued a stark warning to Epstein's cronies, quote, let me assure you that this case will continue on against anyone who is complicit with Epstein. Any co-conspirators should not rest easy, Barr said. The victims deserve justice, and they will get it. Really? Then uh, why, why hasn't Ghislaine Maxwell been charged? No one, you know, we have we have this photo crop from in now Burger in L.A., uh, but no one's really seen her in about three years. But uh, they could find her if they wanted to. We got this thing called the NSA. So why has no one else been charged? Because they don't want to get charged. And that gets back to the big question I said before. Epstein walked in 2007. Uh, believe you know, the ties, there's no way an operation his magnitude, particularly with the wealth that he had accumulated, this was a super high-level intelligence asset, Mossad, CIA, and MI6. Uh, he cuts his deal in 2007, where literally he was, and I want to quote exactly, he got, he, he had to spend, I think, all the weekends in jail, and then he could work, maybe he slept there. And then there's one quote in, pulled up, uh, Michael Krieger pulled up a quote, some of the stuff came out from Florida. That That is a great piece. 53, uh, to show how corrupt, how corrupt uh, uh, Acosta was, there was a 53-page document that he just sat on, 53 pages that he sat on. They didn't want to go out because they didn't want to go after Epstein. Let's see if I can find that piece. 53 pages. There was a debate between Acosta. There was discrepancy between Acosta and the uh, and the Florida Attorney General. Because what they did when they cut the deal in 2007, they switched state charges for federal charges. They swapped them out. There was a 53-page memo, though, that clearly they clearly indicted Acosta. And again, Acosta had said, "Con Deli Beast piece." Yeah, you know, he had looked at it once. This 53-page document that had all this stuff, and he just he just didn't look at it. They didn't care. But in any case, uh, then who do you believe? Do you believe Acosta, who uh, cut the deal, or do you believe the people in Florida who evidently had a conscience? Uh, I would say the people in Florida. They were they were rather outraged. And one guy came out. I can't find his name, and essentially said Acosta was lying uh, by saying 
Yeah, he did. Uh, he did what was right, and he looked at all the evidence. He didn't do what was right. He didn't look at all the evidence. He was told not to look at all the evidence. So we come full circle to that. Epstein's cut this sweetheart deal we're calling to Michael Krieger when, yeah, he's just spending his nights in jail, the weekends, and one person, Krieger, found a document saying when he was in that jail, he was walking, his jail cell wasn't locked up, and he'd walk around naked. So, again, why, how many people, you know, just walk around prison naked unless you're doing something you probably shouldn't be doing in prison? Uh, he cut this deal. And then he gets indicted this year. So, why? Why? That's the that's the really big question. In this, we know obviously Epstein was corrupt. We know people, yeah, enabled him procure the girls, some train the girls. Uh, pay, yeah, pay, he wasn't handing the money himself. Uh, that's insane. So, why did it happen now? Okay, I can speculate, but I'm just going to connect some dots. I'm going to think out loud, so to speak. Uh, Number one, the first one explanation would be, I always look at the most simple explanation, would be at one point Epstein did something that he wasn't supposed to do. Against speculation, uh, he either blackmailed someone he shouldn't, didn't blackmail someone he was supposed to, which is hard to believe. But, yeah, the people telling him what to do, he, he did something wrong. So then they arrested him. That, that's one theory, okay? The reason I don't think that's true is this. They know if they started that wheel, if they really wanted to go after him, I don't think they ever did. I think it was all staged. Uh, that's my theory. But if they did, again, they'd be going after other people. It wouldn't just be him. They would, why would they go after these things? To basically get people to believe in this. And also to this world right now, perhaps not as profitably as uh, Jeffrey Epstein, but there's Jeffrey Epstein's in every Western world and other countries that are being now financed by various intelligence agencies to you know, the place. Again, they probably are not as prominent, uh, well-known uh, celebrities like Epstein, but it's happening. So you go after some of the underlings if you really wanted to destroy Epstein to, to basically threaten others again to let people know to stay inside the box. Don't step outside the box. So I don't think that was it. What's my theory of what happened? We talked a little we talked about Mossad tonight and those connections are real. And we know, you know, since nine eleven we started the illegal, immoral, unconstitutional, endless war on terror. There's a list of nations the US were going to disrupt in the Middle East. Okay, that has come out. I've talked about that in this show before. So, yeah, they got they got Iraq. U.S. is still in Afghanistan. What since 2001? That's amazing. You know, World War II was what five six years. Uh, U.S. forces still in Afghanistan. Of course, Trump talked like he was he was a non-interventionist uh, before he was elected. But yeah, people say things. Whether it's Trump, Bill Clinton, Obama, they say things to get elected. U.S. is still in Afghanistan. Uh, Saudi Arabia would then eventually fall. And Iran, Iran's biggest one, really, on that list. So they, Trump, and I said this on the show before, you know, they want this war with Iran. But Trump evidently, again, this is my opinion, Trump did go off script, okay? 
as much as a prevaricator that Donald J. Trump is, uh, you may remember there was a plan to strike Iran based upon the false flag nonsense that was going on over there when even the Japanese ship captain, the U.S. was saying Iran had attacked the Japanese ship. Japanese captain said, no, no, it was nothing from the air. The U.S. says it was Iranian, some type of Iranian missile. It says, no, something in the water. No. Or vice versa. The U.S., I think, said it was Iranian mines, and Japanese captain said it was from the air. In any case, the Japanese captain, the people that were actually on that ship that were attacked said it had nothing to do with Iran. So there was going to be the strike on Iran, and then Trump called it off. This is what Trump had said. This goes back to this piece I'm going to quote from Communist News Network, CNN, June 21st of this year. Just moments ago, NBC releasing a clip from an interview it conducted this morning. President Trump is a guest on this Sunday's Meet the Press. In that interview, he discussed his dramatic decision, first to order airstrikes on Iran, but then 10 minutes before those strikes would take place to decide to abort the mission. They came and they said, sir, we're ready to go. We'd like a decision. I said, I want to know something before you go. How many people will be killed? In this case, Iranians. Mm -hmm. I said, how many people are going to be killed? Uh, sir, I'd like to get back to you on that. Great people, these generals. They said, uh, came back, said, sir, approximately 150. And I thought about it for a second. And I said, you know what? They shut down an unmanned uh, drone, mm -hmm. plane, whatever you want to call it, and here we are sitting with 150 dead people uh, that would have taken place probably within a half an hour after I said go ahead. Yeah. And I didn't like it. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was proportionate. Now, if, 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 if Donald J. Trump is telling the truth, and I think that's credible, I, I think he was, there's a perfect explanation for what happened with Epstein. The New World Order, uh, the men behind the curtain, the power elite, they could assassinate a president. It was really trauma-based mind control when JFK was assassinated. They didn't have to do it publicly, but they wanted to do that. It's a different time, and you know, Trump hasn't shown that he's independent. Uh, he's, he's done, I believe, everything he's asked him to do. Uh, he hasn't produced any of his major campaign promises, except perhaps with the China trade, which could easily, which is going to be, it is going, it is destructive now uh, economically, and it can re lead to real war. So one thing perhaps he shouldn't have done, he has done. But in any case, apart from Trump's policies, uh, he's, he's delivered. He's delivered from the New World Order. Uh, he talked about before he was elected that NATO was useless, get rid of NATO, because uh, he has no more, uh, there's no more uh, Soviet Union gets in office now. Oh, no, we need NATO to fight terrorism again, getting back to how do you have a war against an ideology or a tactic. So you heard the clip. Trump says he ordered, you know, of course, he was told to order that strike, and then he did actually call it off. Then shortly thereafter, within, within a month, uh, Epstein's arrested. My, my working theory is this, think what you want. Uh, I think that was a tap on the shoulder to Trump for this reason. Acosta was in his administration, and then Acosta resigned. And uh, if Acosta had been had been charged or prosecuted, I don't think it's going to happen now. That would have been another warning shot, so to speak, another tap on the shoulder to Trump. So 
they you remember Trump is obviously a narcissist. You, you take Twitter away from him, I think he'd die. But this is a guy who's obviously intoxicated with himself. And even though he's done what he's told, let's say he did act independently in this instance, this was a decision of all the decisions he could have made that clearly would have angered the powers that, that shouldn't be the New World Order, the men behind the current, the power elite, as represented by the intelligence agencies, the criminal elements, the intelligence agencies, if there's a non-criminal element, so to speak, but Mossad, CIA, MI6. So what do you do? You have a show. You have a show. Trump didn't know it wasn't real that you arrest Epstein. Uh, you go after him. You say the immunity deal wasn't valid that he cut in 2007. Uh, you get Acosta out there who then totally humiliated himself. Humiliated himself. I think it would have been next to it was next to insane to believe. Again, I didn't play any Acosta's interview when he defended that decision in 2006, a sweetheart deal. The very, the very light slap on the wrist that Epstein got allowed to, uh, yeah basically work from home, stay in prisons at night on the weekends, walk around prison naked, do whatever he wanted to do. But Acosta defended all that filth, and he's forced to resign. So I think this was an elaborate warning shot fired in direction of Donald J. Trump. See, they wouldn't kill if Trump did become a real man, if he really did oppose the New World Order. Of course, he has no morals. He's not going to do that. You know, he's, Trump's a whore of whores, but he's all about himself. If he did... They wouldn't kill him. It wouldn't be JFK. They wouldn't do that. They would just publicly humiliate him. Now, of course, they could blackmail him at any time, and that was a warning shot fired that they could if they were to start to go after other people. But I think the whole thing was a ruse, and, and it worked. I mean, we'll see if Trump delivers on Iran. It appears they are going to get their war there, which is going to be horrific. Iran is no threat to the United States. Uh, you don't want to have... A, a basically a convoluted and false definition of national defense. There's nothing defensive about a war of aggression against Iran. Same thing in Libya. After the U.S. airstrikes in Libya, Gaddafi's gone. Now they're openly selling slaves in Libya. That's the truth. No one talks about it. Oh, you have all these neoliberal idiots that want to talk about reparations and keep us divided here because that helps in the world order. You really care about slavery and what happened in the past. You, you, you basically would be screaming every night if the media was real. You'd be talking about, what's the U.S. going to do to stop slavery, open slaves being traded in Libya? But you don't have that. In any case, I digress. I think it was, I think it was all staged with Epstein. To, to, I think you can make a real good case he's alive. Uh, not only is there no camera, the camera's malfunctioned outside the cell. Yeah, they, they, had, they had some stills of what was his body in New York. But still, they've lied so much. Epstein was never a proven financier. Everything about Epstein was essentially a lie, except for the fact that he was wealthy and he knew powerful people. Where he got his money is a complete mystery and a lie. He wasn't a financier. What he did was a complete lie. He, it wasn't based on down financier. It was all about high-level blackmail. So everything about Epstein was, large, was to a very large degree a lie. How not? What a great way to cut a final deal with Epstein. Go in whether they told him that was the, why why he was arrested or not. But you go in and say, uh, at one point, we're going to fake this. Uh, we're going to we're going to fake. We're going to go after you. It's designed to scare Donald J. Trump. We'll fake your death. 
and you get to walk away right before he allegedly, uh, before he was allegedly murdered. He didn't su- he didn't suicide himself. <laughs> he just you know, set up the trust. It was signed days before then, and I think that was an insurance policy. Not that that represented all of his wealth. I said that before, but that is what happened right before he allegedly was suicided. He cut this trust. All of his lawyers incidentally said too that, and I, I don't think they know they know the truth, uh, all the truth, uh, if he is alive. But they all said too there was no indication he was suicidal at all. And again, he, if you followed the story, he was on suicide watch. He allegedly tried it, but his story that came basically indirectly from his people is that he was assaulted. He wasn't suicide. But then they take him off suicide watch, and then the guards that night. The guards are sleeping. Cameras outside the cell didn't work. And somehow, with paper-thin sheets, a 200-pound man with nothing to hang on killed himself. No, I don't buy it. At best, he was murdered. But I don't know. It could have been that they were done with him for some reason. Again, it, it could be that simple. All of it could have been another elaborate ruse. Maybe it had nothing to do with Trump. That's another theory that he did cross the line, and they did want to kill him, and they killed him. But I think he's alive somewhere. I think uh, – He's uh, he's enjoying himself. Of course, after he dies, the ultimate reality uh, is hell. No one no one will no one will uh, fake God will bypass God's justice. So I'll end uh, I'll end the show, show on a spiritual note. Uh, Luke seventeen one to two. Then he Jesus said to his disciples, It is impossible no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown to the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones, meaning little children. Millstone was a big stone they used for grinding. It had a hole in the middle. He says, you take one of those, uh, weigh you know, hundreds and hundreds of pounds, it'd be better to put that around your neck and get thrown to the sea than offending a little child. So Jeffrey Epstein yeah, has, has uh, he's basically, uh, he's cheated man's justice. He's not going to cheat God's. No one will. There's only one or two places everyone is going to go to. It's uh, heaven or hell. In regards to what you believe about politics or own, uh, that's not going to matter. It's going to matter what you do with Jesus Christ. You've been listening to the KRP radio show, Keeping It Real with Pudgy Miller. Once again, I thank uh, Pudgy for the opportunity to use his platform. I will hope to be back next month, this time. Last Friday in September is September 27th. Again, thank you for listening to KRP Radio Show. Have a good night. KRP Radio!